Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 622, Two Fingers of Bourbon. Chillians, welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. Frank, and so with Eddie. Eddie, how's it going? Yeah, things are going well. Had a good few days. Nice weekend. So feeling, and also not, not didn't actually go out too much this weekend. So feeling. What's not too week, much? I, only three three nights in in the weekend. <laughs> just once, just Saturday night. I went to the World Cup semifinal Saturday night and went out afterwards, and that was my only my only night out of the week. So I was feeling super refreshed. So how was going to the semifinals? Because obviously in the podcast, you kind of said England had no chance, but turned out they had a pretty decent chance. Yeah, they played a lot better than expected. The wet, the weather, it was raining. The weather was pretty awful, and that was a little bit of a leveler. Like it did reduce, you know, sort of some of the Isn't styles. It's so fucking annoying. When a team I mean, is clearly better than the other, but can't do it because there's some weather issue. It was just rain. It's just a slippery ball, you know, so moving the ball around, it, it kind of reduced the game to a sort of more old school approach, which fundamentally should have suited South Africa anyway. So it's not as if, you know, if that had been England, New Zealand, and the game had played out the way that it did, you could say that the weather had had a massive effect on the style of play. But South Africa are a physical route one team as it is. So, uh, yeah, no, it was, I went expecting to see England lose by... 15, 20 points. They really, in the end, should have won it. They were ahead from the third minute till the 78th minute. Uh, rugby is an 80-minute match, for those people not aware. So they were so pretty close. much, <laughs> yeah, they were pretty much leading, you know, the entire way. And from the position that they were in, up nine with inside the final 10 minutes, you really should win a game from there. So they'll kick themselves for the fact that they put themselves into in a position to win. They were probably the better team on the night, but South Africa, like their kind of their class, came through in the final ten minutes or so. And just that inner belief that good teams have, you know, they're reigning world champions. They were definitely rattled over the course of the match, but you know that inner belief kind of remained. But yeah, it's great. I mean, I had really good tickets, so that also made it enjoyable. If the tickets weren't as good, would it, would you have gone? Well, I didn't have it. So, you know, uh, a friend of ours offered me that called me the day before and offered me these free tickets. And that puts you in the position of, I, I didn't even ask how good the tickets were. Like, I don't think if someone, you know, if I call you up and say, hey, Frank, I've got a spare ticket to the game on Sunday. Do you want to come with me? If See, now I think, I think that's kind of a bad friend move on the messing, messenger part person, because I think you are kind of obligated to tell the person like, hey, I've got two free tickets. They're in section blah, blah, blah. Because it does make a difference. Like if you it told does. me, if you asked me like, hey, do you want to go to a Phoenix Coyotes game on Thursday night? And then I find out the tickets are in like the nosebleeds, I'm going to be pissed. But if you oh. told me like, hey, the tickets are in like a really nice section, like right in center ice, 10 rows up, like perfect view. I'll be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, like I'll 
I'll do the two hour drive to get out there and watch that game. See, right. <laughs> you, you, you threw a lot of different factors into the mix there that weren't a case for me. One, not a two hour drive away, a 30 minute Metro ride. Two, we're not talking about a random Phoenix Coyotes match. We're talking about a World Cup semifinal. So that's also not a Thursday night. It's a Saturday night. You know, a lot of factors have shifted in your... I do agree with you. Here's the thing is, I actually don't think he knew that what the tickets were when he called me because he'd, he'd basically been given them the ticket through a corporate contact. Well, and so he had a bad corporation. <laughs> he hadn't actually... Yeah, he didn't see the ticket, I think, until... A little bit later in the day when he was emailed the tickets. So I think he called me the minute he was told he had two tickets. And I don't think he knew what those tickets were. So Wow. First call. How do you feel about being the first call? Was it just um, because it was England? Yeah, it was just because it was England. If it was France, he, you're not even on the top 10 list. No. He awkwardly... <laughs> le- I, I thanked him multiple times for bringing me. I paid for our tabs when we were out afterwards. He told me I could stop because it wasn't as if he'd paid for the tickets. But I still felt like... That's the nice thing to do. Someone's taken you. And I said, you could have taken anyone. And he was like, well, no, obviously I would take you. And then he awkwardly said to me, I mean, w- if if you'd had a spare ticket for France, like, wouldn't I have been the first person <laughs> you would have called? And I was, I was honest. I said, pro- honestly, probably not. <laughs> I felt like I, felt like I kind of had to do that. So. It's tr- it, well, that's unfair for you, though, because you're living in Paris so you obviously know many French people, whereas yes. like he's also living in Paris, so he probably doesn't know many English people. But he does. I know he does. But like, not as many, the, the not as many English people as I. Yeah, not as many English people as I know French people. And so big, yeah, it is and a, sporting wise as well. You got a factor yes. too. Yeah. So, but no, it was the tickets were awesome. I mean, sort of you you'd almost couldn't have chosen them better if you you know had the the full selection of the stadium. So that was great. French organization, though, continues to be a nightmare. Were beer the, available? Was beer available? Beer was available. We were also getting free beer. So that was Wow. Must be nice. That was even more of a boost. Um, but Did you get like but, a free massage at halftime? <laughs> no, just beer. Just beer. Um, but we did, for whatever reason, and again, we were in... The nicest section of the stadium, aside from if you were in a box, which even then I don't think you have access to private bathrooms, but maybe you do in some of them, The none of the urinals flushed. So by, oh. I, went, I went to the bathroom, <laughs> I went to the bathroom about, I went to buy, get a pick up a beer. It was about 30 minutes into the match and they were all full to the brim. So as soon as you started peeing, it started pouring out. There was a saw. I mean, this is very disgusting for our listeners. I hope no one is, you know, too off put off by it. No one's triggered by flowing urine. (laughs) Oh, there was a solid, there was a solid centimeter of piss on the ground. You had no choice but to step in it. And literally the guy standing next to me just said, I may as well be pissing on the floor. (laughs) I was like, you're not wrong. I mean, this is honestly, why are you pissing in the urinal? If it's just going onto the floor. Basic decorum, you know, it does look hey. a little bit more extreme just to whip it out and be everywhere. But it was awful. I mean, I said afterwards I'd had to burn my shoes. I mean, it was just terrible. Well, you're in sterile. I mean, you should know that. We have a good friend who loves to tell swears us. Swears by that statement. <laughs> <laughs> that and at least it was raining. So at least my shoes then got sort of a little bit of a rinse. So there was at least that going for it. But yeah, great match. Really entertaining. 
uh, tense. It was the first time in my life, too, I'd ever seen French people support England. It was the same referee who had refereed the South Africa-France quarterfinal. The French were not particularly... they were not particularly fond of him, so every French person there was supporting England, more out of hatred to the referee than anything else, and because they felt like they should have beaten South Africa. So the atmosphere was actually a lot better than I expected it to be as well. Let me get back to this free drink thing. Um, so you're in decent seats. You're getting, yeah. is it free beer and like sodas? Just beer. Just beer. Literally, you yeah. can't drink a non-alcoholic beverage for free. So you had we had these like keychains. So so they from, didn't deliver it to you either. You can it scan like something. Service. You can scan something on your seat and get it delivered. But honestly, it was just more efficient because they were walking around and selling it too. Or you the place like the guys with the backpacks, you know, filled oh, okay, with beer, okay. and then so you got those guys coming around. But then it, it was ultimately just more efficient if you weren't at halftime to just walk it was you know 15 meters 20 meters behind us pick up a beer and you'd be in and out in a couple seconds so yeah we just had these little keychains and you just swipe those when you ordered the beer and they had beer credit on it so we didn't i mean unlimited beer credit it wasn't unlimited but i mean you would have done well to drink enough beer no food or anything no wow this is a very specific thing you could only get beer that's crazy well, it was from the beer sponsor, you know, like it was the tickets were from the official spon- the official beer of the Rugby World oh, Cup. Oh, that and makes so sense. Then, okay. That so then they sense. also. So it's not the ticket that gave you this keychain. No. It's the the people it's who the... gave you the tickets that gave you this chain. Exactly. Got it. Still have that's, it. That's a different story. Okay. Okay. I still that, have it. Yeah. It still obviously has some credit on it. I'm, if I'm not going to the final, I might try and sell it on to someone to try and swipe away. See, You should at least give it to someone. If I know someone going to the final, I'll give it to them. Yeah. But. Switching gears just a little bit. We just talked off topic, but I stopped because I want to talk about it more here. We discussed that there's the potential that someone we know might come to this bachelor party that we keep talking about because maybe they need a little boost in their life to, to get the morale going up. What is etiquette on just someone showing up to someone else's bachelor party? I don't think you can do it. I think you if don't you, think so? I think if you live in the city, so like we're going to Dublin, right? And we have friends who live in Dublin who He's I don't Irish, think are, supposedly. <laughs> yeah. But we have, a, for example, we have a relatively good friend, right? Who lives in Dublin who is not being invited to this. Oh, but, we also have a, a much younger friend that we can have come out with us. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know, and I think if you live, like if someone, if someone organized the bachelor party in Paris and I wasn't invited... I think it would be okay for maybe someone else in the group to say like, oh, hey, Eddie's going to come and join us at the bar this night. I think, but to actually fly somewhere and kind of throw yourself into the official bachelor party activities, I think that's too much. But what if, see here, I don't know though, because if it were me, if I, if I was the bachelor and I was going somewhere and I knew the person, maybe I don't know them extremely well, but I know them. And I was told like, Hey, they would like to come. I don't, I wouldn't think I'd be pissed because it's like, it's like in a, like a traveling event, you know, like, Oh, they, they heard about the idea and they're really excited. Like they'd be willing to, you know, like pay their way and, and, and come in. I'd be like, Oh, that's fine. That's fine. 
Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but there's people I could think of who, if they did that to me and turned up to, you know, if I have a bachelor party in the future and they suddenly piggybacked onto my bachelor party, there's certain people who I could think of where I'd be disappointed. Where I'd be like, <laughs> why, why is this person? Why is this person here? This isn't the case in the in the person we are sort of vaguely alluding to. That would not be the case. But what if I we also think to be like DD the entire time. <laughs> I also think you We're have like a very security. We make him be like private security, and he has to wear like a security shirt and like usher us around. <laughs> I mean, no one's gonna buy that he's private security. But <laughs> he's slightly tall. <laughs> yeah, but he. <sighs> I think too, you have a very different personality from the person whose bachelor party this is, who is much more highly strong than you are, much more uptight. So I think saying, Hey, I'd be cool with it. I don't think, I don't think the average person would be that happy with someone just deciding to attend their bachelor. Because I think the other thing you'd have to consider right now, this bachelor party has 40 in, in, you know, people being invited. So there's not exactly been uh, a sort of heavy filtration process applied to <laughs> who gets who, who gets invited. But under normal, like if I had a bachelor party weighing up who gets the who gets the invite and who doesn't, there's a little bit of politics that goes into that, right? And there'd be some tough calls. Yeah. And what you wouldn't want is to inadvertently offend someone else, being like, well, you know, so-and-so turned up and I'm better friends with you than so-and-so. And then you either ha- then you have to kind of explain to them like, well, he wasn't invited; he just came, <laughs> you know. Or you just never get the opportunity to explain that, and they're just kind of pissed that they weren't invited as well. So I think that was the- that would be the other consideration. Now, have you talked to Vasilis yet about this trip? That says he's in. Yeah, I think you know he says he's in. He he's there's a big group chat. He immediately, as soon as he got added to the group chat, said he would not be paying any attention to the group chat. So I think I think that was muted, and that was sort of the end of his. He just needs basically me to tell him you need to put you need to buy a ticket for this flight. No, no, let's be more specific, Eddie. You need to buy a ticket for him. No, no, yeah, it's true. I will be buying his tickets. I will be his private travel agent for this. But he uh, now here's the other question: Will you also be the private travel agent for our other friend of the podcast, Tim? Probably. Just because, I mean, at a certain point, I guess if we're... to him about it? No. He hasn't mentioned it at all. Has not. Has not mentioned it's it at all. Not even a zero acknowledgement that it is, exists. The only time I've spoken to him was when we played softball together. And at that point, he said he would come. He did say that. But cha- obviously, plans have changed pretty drastically since we had that conversation. I don't think that will impact whether or not he comes, though. So, yeah. I guess it would be easier at that point if... Obviously, we'd want then the three of us to be on the same flight, same. So, just planning it for the for the other two, and just assuming that they're in is probably easier than trying to coordinate with two people who struggle to communicate at times. Yeah, I am planning it with the groom to fly over at the same time, and I'm concerned that he might book the flight like the day before and screw me. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of on brand for him. So, yeah, it's. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I did see, you know, we've spoken about the idea of could we put like a Venmo code on or whatever. I I know you love to say that your phone's listening to you. I'm not a believer in that. However, I did get an Instagram ad the other day for a company that makes uh, like sweatshirts with QR codes designed into them. <laughs> Can't you just do that yourself? 
I Can mean, we print t-shirts out with a QR code on it? They were trying to make it look a little bit nicer, you know, so okay. it kind of was like, uh, it was like a hoodie that you wouldn't be ashamed of wearing, but on the back, it did have a QR code incorporated into it and then whatever wording you wanted associated. So yeah, I mean, I did walk away from it thinking for a third of the price and a little bit of time, I could do this myself, but yeah. yeah. Well, I was actually thinking, um, we have, a, I have a friend who is a designer and his thing is he does the, the Arizona pocket tea. So the, the pocket is shaped like the state of Arizona and he collaborates with breweries and they put different logos and stuff on it. I was wondering if there was one we could do for the bachelor party, but maybe like England <laughs> as the pocket. <laughs> I don't know how good that'll look. <laughs> Wait, why would we want to go to Ireland on a bachelor party with England on the pocket? Because team? the wedding's in England. Yeah, well, you could yeah, do. I, I guess you could do Ireland, but it's yeah. I think would people be able to recognize it if you had a pocket shaped like Ireland? Would you recognize? It? Be like, is that a pocket of Ireland? I think I would recognize it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the the debate would be: Do you cut Northern Ireland off? That would be the interesting discussion. <laughs> yeah, I could get very political real quick. You might want to actually. It might make the pocket work a little bit better. Like it might open up that pocket shape. But yeah, no, I think people would. Rec- I mean, still so put put it this way: People in Ireland would definitely recognize. A pocket shaped like Ireland. I thought that'd be pretty cool and I would like do that and just bring them. But then when I saw the list of 40 invitees, <laughs> I said, I'm not spending a grand on t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> For four people to turn up and then you could try and <laughs> sell them on the streets of Dublin. And then we could throw the QR code on the back. And we could it obviously, ha- we already know the title, although we might get sued by a, a, a horse racing podcast, but <laughs> I think we can get permission. I think they're, we could too. They're friends, sponsor the, it. they're friends of the podcast, so I think we could get permission from the final furlong podcast. Well, yeah. I, we'll reach out to to Emmett Kennedy and make sure we, we get everything signed off on. Yeah. Right. We covered the, the Rugby World Cup. Obviously, we will be getting into uh, the NFL, the activity from last weekend, maybe a little bit of Premier League and, and Champions League action. We haven't had the chance to talk about Live Golf in a while. Their season. Oh, come on. I'm Seriously? not going to talk about Live. I'm not going to talk about Live. Okay. Because I know how much that triggers you. However, you know, we have been talking about the threat that the Saudis, the Emiratis pose to sports for the world of professional sports. Have you seen the new baseball league that they have launched? Oh, God. No. <laughs> so, Baseball United is an upcoming professional baseball league that will be played, have games played in the Middle East and Southeast Asia, starting in Dubai in 2023. It's got four teams um, representing the UAE, Pakistan, and India. And they've got a fair, I will say this, they did, the names aren't awful for the, so you got the Mumbai Cobras, the Karachi Monarchs. The Karachi Monarchs. The Dubai Wolves. Which, and the Abu Dhabi Falcons. <laughs> that one just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> and they've got some pretty high-profile players that have signed up to play in well, this. Well, Eddie, you know, they say baseball, it's Saudi's pastime. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, this is for everyone thinking, hey, I don't care too much about golf. I don't care too much about, uh, you know, the Saudi Football League. You know, I'm, I, hope, uh, I hope you're going to read me, like, 
Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> oh, there's some big names in this. Robinson Jim Tomei. <laughs> Robinson Cano, Bartolo Colon, Pablo Sandoval, Didi Gregorius. Uh, you know, it's, Robinson it's some... Cano would go to Saudi to play baseball and take the money. <laughs> that guy's Bartolo... been taking money since he was 20 years old to play and play like shit everywhere. Bartolo Colon is 50. <laughs> and about 350 in pounds. <laughs> He's 50 years old. I guess by the time he'll be 51, maybe during the league. And yeah, he is. God. Robert I mean, Cano used to be my favorite player in baseball when he was on the Yankees. And then after well, he left the Yankees, he fell apart. Well, I mean, th- as I said, there's some multiple World Series winners in this. There's some pretty high profile names, like high profile enough names that you know baseball fans will tune in. Like if you're a baseball person, this is going to be compelling. It's not like cricket where like I feel like we've just we're oversaturated with cricket, right? Like you launch a new cricket league and they go, like, I can't watch more cricket. I've you know, it's a year round sport. Yeah. I'm bombarded with cricket at the moment. Baseball, if you're a big baseball fan, okay. If you're into the MLB, all right, there's Korea and Japan. But you know, they can maybe fill a void for some people with some baseball content. Now is it gonna be like off MLB season? So it's gonna start soon? Uh yeah, I, I'm actually not sure what the dates are. Um it's in I mean, no Yeah, go ahead. What a sign this is already for the for the Saudi League that instead of talking about the start of the World Series when the championships just ended yeah. yesterday, instead we're talking about a brand new Saudi League with a fifty year old obese Bartolo Colon. <laughs> yeah. So the the season starts in November, end of November. So yeah, they're so yeah, they're sneaking in at the end of the baseball season. You know, it's it's pretty well timed in that respect. So the first game is Friday, November twenty fourth. Uh, it's uh, gates open at 6 p.m. <laughs> in case anyone really wants to go in Dubai. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's interesting because it's one of those where it's very difficult for all the people saying this isn't about sports watching. It's difficult to make the argument that Dubai has a, a strong craving for a baseball league. You can tell me that the, the Saudis, with they, they love the sport of football, so them kind of pumping money into the Saudi league makes sense. You can tell me that, hey, they already host a number of professional golf events in the UAE and in Saudi Arabia, so launching their own golf league makes sense. And it's a sort of you know sport that you associate with wealth anyway, so again, on brand for them. But the idea that they're bringing over these Dominicans and Venezuelans and stuff to come and play a sport that probably a fraction, a tiny, tiny fraction of their population understands it all, there is no argument that can be made other than the fact that this is just sports watching and probably just kind of trying to strong arm. You know, they obviously they want to take over the world of sports. So this is probably, you know, they're firing their opening salvo at the MLB saying, hey, you better let us buy a team or buy a fraction of the league because otherwise we have an unlimited budget. And I don't think those young Dominican players really care whether they play for the Seattle Mariners or the, you know, Abu Dhabi Monarchs or whatever it is. I just called them. Yeah. You know, and it'll be interesting. I don't, is that, is that a big draw in Saudi? Are, are, to Saudis craving baseball? 
can't imagine it. I mean, obviously there's a pretty big expat community, so I guess for some America, but not large enough to sustain a professional sports league. You know, and this is the embarrassing thing that people have been coming out and saying about the Saudi league. You know, they, every weekend people, uh, you know, post like, oh, st- the team managed by Steven Gerrard played in front of 892 people last weekend, which is like less than the average of a conference team in England. You know, there's sort of, there's clearly not a fan base there. So, and I don't think they care, right? They're going to probably sell the rights somewhere. People are going to tune in and watch it. They don't, they don't want to make money. So this is just, you have to assume a little bit like live golf was their way to end up owning part of the PGA. This is going to be their way of taking over part of the MLB or a team, you know, like we're, we're probably not that far removed from the Yankees being owned by, you know, the, some guy from the UAE. Like that's the, that's the reality. Well, actually I wanted to touch on the MLB a little bit because um, for those who haven't watched probably many people listening, (laughs) I think I, you know, I actually had a comment uh, with, with my dad who was watching it and he said, how is Arizona not going crazy that they're in a game seven right now? And I said, well, I don't think anyone gives a shit about baseball anymore. You know and I? Like, and, and I mean, Arizona is a terrible market for professional sports because it's so spread out. Um, so maybe in Phoenix, it was a little more hopping. I did see some people who had went to watch parties and it was looked pretty packed at the bars, but nonetheless, um, there's a little bit of a debate going on right now because the Arizona Diamondbacks now have made the World Series uh, and they are only the second team, I want to say like in history, to make the World Series with a negative point differential in the regular season. So basically unheard of in baseball. And there's been this debate that baseball is kind of trying, the playoff format is trying to go towards what other sports are doing, especially the NBA and, and the NFL, where they're, and hockey, I guess you could say, where they're allowing a lot more teams into the playoffs. So it used to be eight, then it went to 10, and now it's up to 12 teams. And in addition to that, the first round, the wild card round is a best of three. Then the next round is only a best of five, and it's not until you get to the, the NLCS and the ALCS that it's a best of seven. So you are allowing the potential for lower seeded teams to kind of make a run and get into the finals. And the debate is in a sport where you have to play 162 games and that it should kind of matter a little bit that you dominate 162 games that you could get caught in a playoffs with a red hot team and just get eliminated that there's no, there's no regard for more of the regular season play anymore in baseball. Versus other sports like football, there's only 16 games. So every game is obviously important because you might not even make 17. the playoffs. 17 now, sorry. Um, you might not even make the playoffs. But here, teams are eliminated pretty quickly and teams are making the playoffs pretty quickly in baseball and that now there's no reward for winning 112 games or something in a season. Yeah, I never know how you fix this because basically once you adopt a playoff approach, right? This is always going to be an issue. Like the only argument to fix this is get scrap the playoffs and you prove yourself over 162 games. And that probably means you're the best team in baseball and you should deservedly be crowned champions. But as soon as you start saying we're going to have playoffs, then 
you run the risk that either that team suffers injuries or suspensions or just is out of form or some other team really comes into form. You know, like it's, there's no fix to it. You've had it in the, even in the NFL, right? You, there, I mean, this, remember Seattle was a, won a playoff game with a losing record. Yeah. People are like, they shouldn't even be in the playoffs. It's like, well, they then won a playoff game. So what's the, like, I, it's a tough one because ultimately if the team wins, then I don't know. I think the only thing you could try and do is maybe shift the balance of the, of a series. So like a seven game series, maybe if you're the one seed, you should play six games at home. You know, like you, you kind of go. Well, in the wild then, card, in, in the wild card, it's all three are played at the home. Right. Field. So why not, if you're, you know, really trying to incentivize being, having the best record, you say, hey, you're the one team, you know, you play, you play the opening three games at home, you'd play the fourth game on the road and you play the next three at home. So, you know, you kind of have no excuses then. Still, the argument goes, how much does home field advantage impact a game of baseball? You know, like, yeah. Probably in most instances, instances, not that much, but, you know, still something like that. But yeah, otherwise it just, it kind of just sounds like sour grapes. Like just beat the team, shut up and beat the team. Well, I mean, does it, does it make European football system look a little better where they're the champion is decided by whoever wins the most regular season matches because there is no playoffs. I mean, I think, you know, there are other tournament style things you know like the fa cup and stuff like that but the regular the season champion is decided by the just the regular season oh yeah i mean i much prefer that approach there's some sports you can't do that in right so like the nfl it would be tough to do you just have to make the nfl not everyone plays everyone even yeah you'd have to make the nfl season super long which you know if you said every team played each other once and then the best team the best the team with the best record wins the becomes you know, that's that would be expanding the NFL season by what? Not to make two divisions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, there were. There, yeah, you could reduce. <laughs> yeah, you could go to two divisions of you know sixteen teams, promotion relegation. Yeah, you could. You could definitely do it. I'm. I think it proved. I think you come out with the better, like the better champion, more often than not. That way, you deny yourself a little bit of excitement. So there's a pros and cons to both. I think it's why, for the most part, people would say, like, the discussion with City recently, you know, that winning the Premier League really proves how good of a team you are because you have to do it consistently for 38 matches. Winning the Champions League, if you get a little bit of luck, if the draw lines up for you nicely, you know, there's more randomness involved in that than there is in winning, you know, same in baseball. Like, just like you're saying, having the best record of 162 games eliminates a lot of the randomness that the playoffs then bring about. I mean, baseball is actually a feasible option because if everyone played everyone, what, like four times and then a little extra, you could do it. Oh, yeah. You could in baseball, you could baseball and hockey. You could do it. And the NBA, you could do it. Yeah. Like those three sports already have such long schedules that if you just said, hey, we're going to switch this to a regular season only, you could do it without tweaking really too much. But I mean, I don't think. I don't think there's I a love strong hockey playoffs, though. <laughs> yeah, and I you know I like I like the playoffs in general, but you know there's no doubt that if if you, what your goal is is to have the best team win every year, then playoffs are not the thing you should have. But uh, speaking of 
playoffs in baseball, you know how I love my superstitions. Uh, <laughs> you, did you see the whole fuss over Ted Cruz and the Houston Astros? I did not. So Ted Cruz, obviously Senator for Texas, Houston Astros fan, supposedly. I don't know whether that's just because it's politically convenient or, you know, who knows. But No, it's because he's holding one of the strings that's making Mattress Mac move. <laughs> well, he every home game, every game he'd attended for the Houston Astros so far this this offseason, they'd lost. So going into game seven, fans started to ask him to please not attend because they thought he was a jinx. And I just love the facts. Like to me, if I were a Houston Astros fan, I might start thinking of things like that anyway. But the thing that amazes me is he he legitimately responded to the criticism so that he said, for seven years, Catherine, his wife, and I have attended nearly every Astros home playoff game. If they're going to blame me for our recent home losses, please also credit us for the two World Series championships and seven consecutive ALCSs. We <laughs> We were there cheering the Strohs on. I just love the world that we live in, where not only like, you think you would just shrug it off, the fact that you're seriously responding to like internet comments on the fact that you're a curse is just unbelievable. That is pretty good. Hey, but they should maybe thank them. Maybe make a statue out there. Well, they lost. He attended the game and they lost. Yeah, but they still won two World Series. He ain't wrong. Oh, yeah, through cheating. I mean, he also overlooked <laughs> he overlooked the cheating scandals. I him. helped. Yeah, I was banging the garbage the can. <laughs> the garbage can. All right. I know you've probably got something lined up for me when it comes to the 49ers. So do you want to start there or do you want to just save that for a little bit further I don't along. got much. I mean, it's just getting tough to remember the last time Brock Purdy had a win in the NFL. That's all. <laughs> okay. I actually don't think he played that badly in that game. I you think he actually played. You cannot say that. That's bullshit. Because the <laughs> amount of times you said Justin Herbert yeah. isn't that good because in the last drive, when they really need him, he doesn't come through. This fucking guy throws a terrible interception on the last drive too, that cost him the game. You threw two terrible, terrible picks, but the last one yeah. in particular at the end of the game to end it. So you I cannot tell both. me he played well. You can say you can say he wasn't atrocious. I'll, I'll let you say that. That's as far as I'll let you go. <laughs> thank, you thank you for letting me say that. Yeah, I think he was okay. Uh, I actually, I mean, if you, I think he played well up until those final two drives. Um, when you really needed him, or when, when you really needed him. needed him, not you again. <laughs> I give him a little bit more, you know, say if you're comparing him to Justin Herbert, he's he's effectively in his first season, right, as a starter. So I think the leeway that I give Brock Purdy is different to the leeway I give Justin Herbert. And also it's a different climate. I get I, everyone's, you know, quick to put Justin Herbert in as a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I don't think anyone's doing that with Brock Purdy. So my reaction to him messing Except up. Except when you is, said he's elite. Three weeks ago, I, I, I said he was he was moving to he, the needle was pointing towards elite. The needle was broke off. <laughs> <Eddie>. <laughs> you know, the needle was pointing in the direction of elite. Uh, it's obviously, yeah, you're not you're not wrong. It's um, it's not gone so well since I made those comments. Maybe I have a Ted Cruz effect on Brock Purdy. Who knows? But I mean, it's tough. It, it it's really tough because last week. He did not play well. That was a bad game. 
This game, I agree with you. He was trending in the right direction. But the way in which he faltered by kind of screwing up late in the game where then everyone can point to that's the reason why the Niners didn't win because Brock Purdy didn't come through. It looks particularly bad for his case because the criticism, I guess you could say, going undefeated with him was always, yeah, but we don't know what he'll do in a situation where he needs to be the person to win the game or like when they need him to step up, will he be able to step up? And it's just very unfortunate that you have this really the first time that he's going to be criticized is going to be because he didn't step up when it mattered, which I think is a little unfair. I mean, I don't disagree with you. At the same time, you you want the first time he faces, you know, he makes mistakes, faces criticism, has, like doesn't come through down the stretch. You want that to be in October and not in January or February, right? So there is... Oh, you're going to see it then too. Don't worry. <laughs> maybe, but I, you know, like... I, it's obviously a learning experience and I'm not the type of sports fan to offer unlimited chances to people as you know, as listeners would know, you know, I'm can be highly critical and Brock Purdy will get to that point if this continues in the same way, but I'm, you kind of have, if you want him to win the Super Bowl, he probably has to fail a few times before that. And so this is the right time to fail. So I'm not going to over. I do think there have been a few people. Tom Brady failed that much. He didn't. He didn't have perfect. Right. I mean, the closest comparison you could have made, in a sense, in recent, like Ben Roethlisberger, right? One, he started off on some insane run, but then didn't transfer that into a into a Super Bowl until he'd lost games. And again, Ben Roethlisberger significantly more talented than Brock Purdy. I'm not like drawing parallels there. But uh, I think as a sports fan, losing is part of the process. So hopefully the process continues. Hopefully. That doesn't sound as optimistic as the undefeated 49ers Eddie talk two weeks ago. <laughs> I don't, my, my opinions haven't changed too much. I mean, with the offense, I give them – you know, a little bit of a break because still missing Debo is a huge, you know, that's a pretty big impact. The, Are you the concerned co- Kirk Cousins the, threw for 380 yards without Justin Jefferson? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> no, because look, it's Kirk Cousins and it's what Kirk Cousins does a couple of times a year. No, actually, in fact, this is not what Kirk Cousins does. Win in prime time. That's literally what he does not do. <laughs> but yeah, I, look, I think the defense the past couple of weeks you could say, I mean, they didn't give up a ton of points a week ago, but still down the stretch when you really needed stops to be made or whatever. And same in that game. They kind of tightened things up in the fourth quarter, and they did give themselves a chance, obviously. But ultimately, you would have wanted to see, for this defense claiming to be you know, game-changing, you would have thought you'd get into, you kind of got to put the, really put the squeeze on in the fourth. But, you know, I know. I, it's Kirk Cousins. We've we've lived the podcast knowing that every once in a while Kirk Cousins does does these kind of things, and unfortunately for me, he did it this time against the 49ers. 49ers got a tough stretch ahead of them too. At this point, they'd be lucky to be five hundred come December. <laughs> I think that might be a little extreme. 
but Bengals, Jags, Bucks, Seahawks, Eagles, Seahawks. Not yeah, the so easiest. Are we going to really classify? I know it's just setting them up for three spin, three defeats on the bounce, but are we going to classify the Bengals as a tough game right now? No, but I still hold to the fact that they might just randomly decide to turn up like they did last year and, you know, Burrow throw for 350, 400, you know. But I agree with you. They're not a great team. I think the Jags are going to be a tough game. I think the Seahawks are always a tough game. And I think the Eagles obviously are a tough game. So they have three tough games in their next five. Yeah. Or sorry, four tough games in their next five. No, we'll we'll know a lot more about them, right? In a month's time, we'll be able to say much more confidently, like, is this the best team in the NFL? At the moment, I don't know. I mean, I guess this is our way of transitioning. I guess I'd have to say the Eagles are the best team in the NFL right now. But we've said over the past few weeks reasons why we don't feel overly convinced. But that was an impressive win against the Dolphins. Yeah, it was. But did then not part see of my, but I, neither of us did right. We both said that we thought the Dolphins should be favorites. That we didn't think that the Eagles were going to be able to keep up with the type of scoring. And then the Dolphins, for the second time in big games like Bills and Eagles, now just kind of haven't turned up. And I guess my bigger takeaway from that was. Not that how good are the Eagles, because I think we already know, right? They're legitimate Super Bowl contenders. We've just seen that from, you know, past seasons. Was Is there a risk here that this Dolphins team, gimmicky isn't the right word, but like a little bit. I, I, in England, you, they're kind of flat track bullies. You know, like when the going's good, they're going to score 70 points. But in a playoff game, especially if weather conditions are unsuitable, or unfavorable for them. Like, are you going to trust them? Like, I think I'm at the point now where I think the answer is no. Yeah. I Watching that game, as much as I don't like Sirianni, it seems as if Sirianni outcoached McDaniels in kind of what you're saying, where Sirianni just decided to coach a football team and McDaniels is still intent on coaching like a Harlem Globetrotters team kind of in a sense, you know, like there's almost too much gimmick to what they try and do at times instead of just kind of simplifying it and just playing football. Like some of the stuff that they try, they're trying, it almost looks like they're trying to be flashy in how they're scoring instead of just utilizing the fact that, I mean, there was the one play where literally the touchdown to Tyreek Hill Tyreek Hill just flew by two guys while the ball was in the air and caught a touchdown pass. And instead of just having more plays where you just use Tyreek Hill's speed, you're like putting him in double motions and then like looping him back around and trying to do all these fancy, crazy things. Like just fucking send Tyreek Hill down a vertical. Like obviously they're not, he had double coverage and blew by two guys. Like you can do simpler things more often instead of always trying to be a fancy team. I don't disagree with you, but and and we mentioned this too. We mentioned this person too much on the podcast at the moment, but that seems like such a Bill Simmons take of like, why don't you just run by guys? Like, why don't you just run by? And I know what you're saying is a little bit more complex than that, but you know, ultimately, I think if you just ran ran him on a vertical all game long, I think teams would adapt. Right? You have to have, keep them kind of guessing and afraid of different. But I mean, like, there's so, like, for instance, I think they're almost setting a new record for amount of 
pre-snap movement during plays and things like that. Like that's the kind of thing where they're, they're trying to be so fancy. I think it's starting to hurt them when they play better teams who aren't as susceptible to being kind of caught in to the glitz. Like the Eagles, I mean, they've seen this crap before. Like they're a good defense. They're not going to be falling for these like triple triple moves and like changing the plays all the time. Like it's not going to work against good teams. And I think the Dolphins are going to have to learn that. I mean, they learned it against the Bills. They're learning it against the Eagles. And maybe they'll adapt and kind of just become a more hard-nosed football team when they need to be. Because they have so much ta- – like there is no way they put up 17 points in that game. Like – when you look at who they have on their team, they should be scoring more. Yeah, and look, I mean, when you're talking about the putting people in motion pre-snap, that's just because, you know, he comes from the Shanahan school, right? I mean, that's that's what everyone from that sort of coaching tree does. You're right, they're league high. They're at 86%. The 49ers are at 78%. And, you know, you got McVay, same coaching tree, at 70%. So, you know, you could, is it getting, are you being too smart for your own good? I think the tough thing is where I would agree with you, like the 49ers are using it. And this isn't because I'm a 49ers fan, but they're using it for very specific reasons at times to like using Debo Samuel as a runner, using George Kittle as a runner. You know, you're, you're putting people in motion to put them into positions that make the their defense uncomfortable of like, we're not, okay, we've lined up this way and now we're going to have something move. And now you don't know how to respond. Like who is actually going to be getting the ball and where, whereas when I watch the dolphins, it feels more, it feels more like you're watching a guy like spam you on Madden. Yeah. And like, he's just showing off, like, look at all the pre-snap controls I know how to do. Like with the play clock winding down, I'm audibling like crazy. And like, you don't even know. You've just stayed in the same, the same like setup that you had when you kind of went into the main menu. So I agree with you a little bit on that point. I don't know. I just feel like. I, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm being harsh in the sense that had Tua made a better throw to Mostert in that end zone, he has that linebacker burn. I mean, that's the right play. Like, He's got a linebacker covering him and he just blows by the linebacker and has got the corner of the end zone teed up. And it's just, it is a bad throw. Like there's no other way around it. That was a bad throw. Might even still have been pass interference, which is another debate for another day as to whether that you call a flag when your pass is intercepted, but by a different player. But maybe that's a better throw and that's a 24 all game with what, eight minutes left, 10 minutes left, you know, instead of, they pick it, they drive down the field, and now it's 31-17. It's a two-score game. So they were in it for most of that game, but it just seems to me I watch them at times, and, and you're just like, wow, this offense is so many weapons. Like, look at that. How can you stop that? And then all of a sudden they just have three straight drives where they three and out and punt, and you're just like, what? Wait, what's what's going on here? You know, that's it's it's strange. Yeah, and you're right, look. And we we say it almost every week. Some of these games, even when they then end up being larger winning margins, come down to these small moments where you you get a two score swing, like you said, and it just completely changes the the outlook of a game. But for now, you know my biggest takeaway from the week, I, my big two takeaways, I think I have to both the Bills and the Dolphins kind of have to significantly reduce my trust in them. 
the Dolphins know against good teams, against bad teams, I think they'll just wipe the floor. <laughs> maybe that to draw parallels, maybe the Dolphins are like the Newcastle of the NFL. Ooh, you know, where like I do like both clubs. <laughs> <laughs> where, you know, against a bad team, they'll get the job done, but maybe they're not quite at that level necessary to compete with the best of the best. And then the Bills, I guess we can switch over to their loss against the Patriots, one that I also think neither of us saw coming. They just don't look right. Like there's something just not quite right in Buffalo. Yeah. It so for reference, I listened to the Sirius XM version of NFL Red Zone. And then for some of the ride, was able to watch the actual NFL Red Zone on my phone. But because when you're driving through the desert in Arizona, you sometimes don't get service. I would see like a play and then nothing for five minutes. And then next thing I know, like the other team was up because the radio red zone is terrible. Like they'll go 15 minutes without even discussing a game. All of a sudden it's like, oh, and by the way, the Philadelphia Eagles are up 14 points now after being down 10. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) So it's not the best, but um, it did not sound very good and what i saw did not look very good although you thought right that when they drove down to take the lead that this was okay bills got bills got caught almost but you know what they're the bills they came through they finished it off but then they just let that last drive and mac mac jones of all people to just tear you apart bad luck real bad look the Patriots got a little lucky on their first play on that drive, a flag was thrown that was then picked up for an illegal man downfield, which shouldn't have been picked up. I don't think in my history of watching NFL games, I've ever seen a flag be picked up for a legal man downfield. Like that's just not the type of flag you see get picked up. Like that's not a two officials discussing something and deciding that they were wrong. So, and seemingly the reason it was picked up was because the officials applied college football rules and not NFL rules. Because it's supposedly like in college football, you can't have, this is from my understanding of subsequently reading about it, college football, you can't have an illegal man downfield on a screen. There it's, everything's, once it's a screen pass or not a forward pass, like everything's okay. Whereas in the NFL, that is not the case. You can have an illegal man downfield on a screen. The flag was correctly thrown for their center being downfield, but then picked up because they're like, oh, it was a screen though. So oh, so it was it incorrectly picked up is what you're saying. Yes. Oh, Which wow. was a huge swing. I did not, I did not in, see that anywhere. Because instead of being a five-yard penalty, you know, from like they would have started that drive, all of a sudden it's first and 15 from your own 20. It was a 22-yard play, which they were knocking on field goal, you know, range already. And then like it's a huge momentum when you're trying to string together that 90-second drive. But anyway. I agree with, you know, I thought once they, once they got their noses in front you just thought, all right, this is lucky escape and they'll dust themselves off and, and learn from it. But yeah, I mean, Mac Jones, you got to give him credit. That's the best Mac Jones has ever played in the, in the NFL. Like he looked like a legitimate NFL quarterback in that game. Bill Belichick, 300th regular season win, only the third head coach to do that. So and I like they then snuck in after that win. Bill Belichick had signed a contract extension in the summer, which they just never talk about Bill Belichick's contract situation. We don't know how long it was for. We don't know how much he gets paid. 
just Bill Belichick has a contract and he got a new one. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the Mac Jones, I, I, you have to think it's an anomaly because so his QBR rating that game was a 78.5, which 100 is perfect. Anything over like 70 is usually really good. So 78.5 coming off the back of a 24.3, 6, which is the worst in the NFL this year, 13.6, and a 54. Yeah. And keep yeah, in no, mind it's... that was Dallas, New Orleans, Vegas. Like those aren't dominant. Well, Dallas maybe. Maybe Dallas, Dallas would give him a pass. Right. But no, I mean, it's, but it's just tough. And the thing that becomes difficult then, I think I've eliminated everyone from the AFC over the course of the last couple of weeks. I'm not a huge believer in the chiefs, but they keep Ooh, getting better. But they looked good. Week. They looked they, a lot better. They looked a lot better as the each week goes by, they get that no, little bit better. As Taylor Swift started attending Eddie, let's get it okay. right. If Perfect. Ted Cruz wants to take credit, T Swift can take credit. But yeah, no, but but genuinely, it feels like over the past four weeks, and that's more shame on me than anything else, right? I think I've eliminated, I said I wasn't, I I said I didn't think the Chiefs were capable of winning the Super Bowl. Now I've just said I don't think the Dolphins are capable of winning the Super Bowl. I don't think the Bills are capable of winning the Super Bowl. So either I just have to be incredibly confident in the NFC. I guess that would be consistency there. But I don't know, like I had the Bills as my preseason AFC selection and I'm not giving up on it, but I'm not filled with confidence. Yeah. I mean that chiefs game though, I think that it's starting to give me more faith, but so I think what Mahomes had 300 yards passing in the first half again, though, 150 of that was to Kelsey. So, and I get it. Like you just can't, maybe you just can't stop it. But at some point, defenses are going to literally triple team if they have to. Oh, Bill Simmons really is on the podcast. Today. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, I'm getting more faith in the sense that they they looked super efficient on offense. But I still need to see more out of anyone but Kelsey and maybe Pacheco. You, you're going to need someone in the playoffs. You're going to need someone yeah. to step up. Well, also, like Travis Kelsey gets hurt, you know, so there's no guarantee that he's healthy for a full playoff run. But, yeah, I mean, we – I also don't think we can learn too – they say they're looking better. I don't think we can learn too much from a win over – like the Chargers just aren't good. You know, like there's there's – the Chargers aren't good. They beat – they looked – I mean, they didn't look that great when they beat the Broncos 19-8 the week before, right? They're going to beat – they're going to – probably demolish the Broncos this weekend. Here comes their the, run. Yeah. Then Here the comes run the playoff comes. run. Well, at least two. I mean, yeah, I guess in the next, in the five subsequent games, they play the Chiefs. Uh, they play the Chiefs. They play the Dolphins, the Eagles, and the Bills. So we'll know more about them. That they will do have sort a tough out. <laughs> yeah. That will sort out, you know, the power rankings in the AFC, put it that way, that we don't have. But I will say, going back to that Eagles game really quickly, I feel like that's kind of got to feel good for Jalen Hurts. First time he's faced Tua ever after the whole college debacle and definitely played the better game. Hands down, had the better game. Do you think it hurt them? Hurt him, though, that the Dolphins ran the identical play 
to the one that made Tua famous in the national championship game for Alabama? Do you think Maybe. a little bit of him? Like, you can't, you must feel, if you're him, that, I mean, obviously they did it on purpose, but that part of the reason for running that play was a little like, all right, Tua, let's remind him why <laughs> you had to be called in to save Alabama in a national championship game. Maybe. Any other major takeaways from the, the NFL this weekend? Uh, not particularly. Uh, a lot of teams blowing their their draft stock. <laughs> we talked about the Pats. They're one of them. <laughs> Giants, yeah. they're another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they see how Caleb Williams is playing and everyone has decided maybe this isn't the, the guaranteed quarterback superstar we thought it was a few weeks ago. Yeah. Bears also. <laughs> That's actually one we, we could mention a little bit uh, with Badgett, Tyson Badgett coming in and playing a pretty good game. And maybe I have to take back some of the criticism I had when we did our preview. Uh, you know, I think... I failed to mention, I said he went to a Division II school. I think he holds almost every record in Division II football for passing. So was, you know, maybe in Division II, but ran Division II pretty well and seemed to do decent. I mean, not great numbers, but no turnovers, had a win, had a touchdown pass. I watched a decent amount of that game in the end. He looked pretty good. Like he looked competent. I'll put it that way. Like sometimes you watch a game and you just think, even if someone statistically looks all right, they just look out of place. He didn't Better look out Boyer. of place. <laughs> he didn't look out of place. But at the same time, it also felt like one of those games that getting the lead, both of those teams suck. And just the fact that the Bears were able to get ahead made everything so much easier for them. And then had that swapped, you could have ended up with him having a four interception game. But. Yeah, yeah, I'll put it this way. I didn't all of a sudden think, wow, who's this guy? But he looked all right. Shall we compare him to Brock Purdy's first game as a starter? <laughs> no, we don't need to do that. Yeah. I think the, the Purdy content is enough for now. Yeah. I mean, the one thing, you talk about the Patriots. I mean, are the Patriots completely out of the race for that division? Yes. Don't be fooled by one good Mac Jones performance. Come hey, on. When they, beat the, when they beat the Dolphins this weekend, then we're... I am all in on the Dolphins this weekend. You <laughs> okay, cannot everyone... make me more in on the Dolphins. If they lose, I'm going to clip that, and I'm going to play that clip for the rest of your life. But I agree with you. I mean, I don't actually think they're legitimately in with a chance, but it the is The spread is nine and a half. It could be 19 and a half, and I'd still be taking the Dolphins. Okay, that's a little extreme because this Patriots defense this, this Patriots defense is is good. This Patriots defense let the Saints score 34 on them, Eddie. Okay, the Saints right. are terrible. You're very they good at They let the Cowboys like score 38. <laughs> okay. Anyway, changing, changing things up a bit then. Maybe we can talk about the Premier League. Where the uh, the big news coming out of the Premier League, aside like away from all of the results, is the fact that uh, looks like Everton might have themselves in a spot of trouble. This is somewhat breaking news; only came out today, 
but they are facing a 15 point, that's uh, sorry, a 12 point deduction. Oh, I did not see for, this. Yeah, for it's tough to get the early news in when it's 7 a.m. <laughs> for, for breaching financial fair play. Now, obviously, this Wait, is just Everton have breached financial fair play. Yeah, so Everton uh, have over the last five years lost more than 430 million pounds. And according to the FFP rules in the Premier League, you are only allowed to lose a maximum of 105 pounds over a three year period. What do you mean so, lose? Like went missing? Like they just can't find no, it? <laughs> no, as a company, be losing the money, running in a neg- running at a loss. Uh, so obviously, they've definitely gone way over that for the three-year period. And uh, the reports are that the, the head, the, those in charge are asking for the, basically the most severe punishment possible. Look, this will take a long time to resolve and it will drag on in court. It would currently put Everton on minus five points. So that would be a bit of... <laughs> would that be the worst finish ever? <laughs> I mean, they've got a long way to go, right? But that would be a bit of a blow to them. The thing that will be interesting if you're them, because this is always what ends up happening, is what they may end up doing is, let's say they are going to be relegated this season. What they may end up doing is accepting that points penalty now so that they don't have a points penalty next season. This is the thing that's always a little bit... Do you wait to like the last week before to see if you're going to be relegated and then take it if you are? Well, they're certainly going to, right, it will drag on with appeals till at least towards the end of the season. So they'll, they'd be able to get to a decent moment of saying, okay, we'll, we'll take the 12 points now. We're six points off safety. We're going to be relegated. Let's take the points deduction and start next season with a clean slate and not risk relegation and then a 12-point deduction, which might make promotion really tough. So, um, yeah, it's interesting, but uh, interesting to see what happens elsewhere in the Premier League. Everything kind of went, I guess, the way that you would have expected it. United, you know, all the big teams won. All that they all did their jobs. The only real Arsenal scraped out a pretty fortunate two-all draw against Chelsea. Ooh. Scrape is a word <laughs> that did not look like it was going to be going their way for the first seventy-five minutes. <laughs> no, but hey, I did. You know, not to. Pat myself on the back, but I did say Chelsea double chance was pretty, pretty tempting. I felt even I went better Arsenal about double them. chance. So <laughs> well, that was the concern. Great. For it. <laughs> <laughs> but now, um, you know, an interesting, interesting set of fixtures. We'll learn more this weekend, seeing as we've got the Manchester Derby, which will be an interesting one. Yeah. Well. United coming off the back of a nice Champions League victory, thanks to uh, the the crowning, the, the fans crowning uh, king of Man United, Harry Maguire. Well, Maguire and Onana. Yeah. And you have too much safe. maligned players and Garnacho scraping up the penalty spot, which is getting a lot of attention um, today. But yeah, no, it was survived a, a heavy, heavy scare there. Which... What's the what's the read on Garnacho in, in terms of am I the only one that thinks he looks like a huge asshole? <laughs> he just looks like he just doesn't look like a type of person I want to have a conversation with. I think this is a topic that we really can't go into. <laughs> <I think laughs> but no, might... I mean he just he, he just he just looks like 
like whenever I watch him play, he kind of looks like he's like got the like the I don't know like what I don't know what you'd call it in, in football, but he just looks like kind of like a like an not an enforcer is not the right word like doesn't look like a uh, a nice friendly player I guess I should say like I think yeah he's a little scummy in some of the yeah. things that he does but yeah I, I think that's it's a difficult topic for us to go into I think that <laughs> might be. I think there's some judgment calls that would have to be made there that could probably piss some people off. Yeah. And I guess that pretty much nothing, no other major news coming out of European football aside from that. Well, I mean, you said Newcastle beat up on bad teams. I I know people who are um, listening to this podcast won't get the benefit of the doubt, but they're about to kick off soon. Do you consider Dortmund a bad team? No, I don't. This would be okay if they managed to beat Dortmund. Not good for my bet, man. (laughs) (laughs) Not encouraging talk for the bet I have currently in progress. I mean, I'm not saying they won't beat Dortmund, but it feels like Dortmund are the type of team. They're also very organized know their responsibilities like that's the type of team but have enough talent to cause newcastle some trouble look this is the type of team that they should be beating but let me ask you this do you expect a high scoring match by high scoring what number of goals over one and a half maybe just throwing that out there randomly (laughs) i think they'll probably be over one and a half goals i think both teams will score so oh there's a good tip for all listeners this this will either age really well or really poorly. It's okay. I can, it can just get edited out if it if it doesn't come through. <laughs> what they don't know is I've given every potential answer to that question and then just edited in the correct one. So last week, or actually probably a few weeks ago now, you asked me how often I think about the Roman Empire. And this is coming off the back of social media frenzy that I barely had heard of. Well, here comes another one that I've actually hadn't ever heard of until it popped up on my Yahoo news with an interview with Jay-Z where apparently the question is, would you rather take $500,000 in cash or share a meal with Jay-Z? And apparently this has been a very hot topic throughout social media. I've never even seen this, but I don't know. Apparently everyone's debating this. I mean, I saw it once, maybe a couple of years ago, where the guy who got asked it immediately dismissed it as a question. Being like, why wouldn't you take the money? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Unless you're already a multi, multi, multi-millionaire, even I would say perhaps even a billionaire. I don't know why on earth you're taking the dinner with. In, or if, unless you work in an industry where you, like if you were an aspiring musician or producer or something, then maybe you think I take the meal, but I have nothing to talk to Jay-Z about that would help like further my life. I I did see though, this is like, I don't know if this is a joke, but I I don't think it is. I think this is kind of how highly he holds himself where he was like all the life advice I could give someone that could fully change their life. It's all my lyrics. All you got to do is listen to my CD. So take the 500 K buy all my albums and you'll get all the knowledge that I could give you in a lunch. It's like, really? 
Well, <laughs> is that being is that him being braggadocious? Or is that him being honest? I don't have a lot to give you. You can get it from my albums. I think it's braggadocious. <laughs> you know? That like you think just listening to his music is suddenly going to make you the entrepreneur of, of everyone's fancy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, certain people, I could see why you might want the meeting. There are people in this world who you could tell me I'd probably want the meeting with over the cash. But they had to be super specific to my own life. So yeah. it's it's not just well I'd meet with Taylor Swift. What on earth? Let me you give know. you one. Would you rather take fifty thousand dollars or have lunch with Bill Simmons? Well, I probably have lunch with Bill Simmons, honestly. Hundred thousand or lunch with Bill Simmons. I thought I, I thought fifty could be a good cutting point. A hundred might be it. I should have said a hundred. Yeah, a hundred. I'm. From I know because I still I think it has to be at a point where I didn't I don't think if like I could get a project out of that meeting that would be worth that amount of money. So you'd have to get to like five hundred thousand a million range. Do you think to, you could make a hundred thousand dollars off one lunch with Bill Simmons? No, but I do. I think I could maybe. I mean, this is. I think I could maybe start something in motion that leads to a hundred thousand dollar project. Sure. All right. How about this then? A hundred thousand or Dave Portnoy. I, I, I'll probably I'd still take the the lunch with Portnoy. Wow. Yeah. How's that make you feel about yourself right now? Not great. <laughs> You're looking down, distraught at yourself for making that decision. <laughs> That's like when they offer the kid two marshmallows later. <laughs> Now they take it, and then you see how disappointed they are when they realize what they've done. That's your face right now. Yeah, I mean Portnoy would probably be even more tempting, right? Because I think with Portnoy, you'd you'd be able to convince yourself more that if he liked you in that meeting, that he would be more inclined to like set something up. Simmons, I think you'd have to go more down the business side of things. Like for starters, the Ringer is owned by Spotify now. You know, like you'd have a lot more hoops to jump through. Whereas Portnoy, you could have one great lunch with him and maybe he'd just be like, oh, we'll give you a podcast. Like, we'll buy the Big Chill podcast out of you. Any uh, non-sports topics then to discuss? Well, I have a, speaking of Yahoo, I have a Yahoo Life article here that piqued my interest. If you want, I'll just read you the title. You say yes or no. 14 ways people order drinks that have bartenders shaking their heads. <laughs> Did I click I mean, bait you? Go for it. I'll bite. <laughs> you know how much I hate these dumb topics for sure. Number one, asking for a sugary cocktail with premium spirits. Does that make you shake your head? I don't know why anyone would care. If some, I mean, you, you might give someone the honest advice of you're not going to taste the difference. But if anything, you're just, if you cared about your business, you would just be like, okay, I'm going to have to charge you more. But yeah. Ordering your single malt scotch with ice. Also don't care. I don't care why, how someone wants to, if, and you can throw Coke in there if you really want to. Drink it however you want to drink it. Opting for wine by the glass. I mean, there's lots of bars where you can't. This sounds them. more like, like why would bartenders be shaking their head? It'd be like casual observers 
who be shaking their head at these things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the, the 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 first one is you're wasting your money. The second one would also be you're wasting poten- you're the wasting taste your money. Of money, no, your money. money. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of bars you go to. What are you gonna do? Head to the dance floor, holding a bottle of wine. You know, like. <laughs> Picking a standard cocktail when the menu has special cocktails. The reasoning being that this restaurant or bar went into special effort to handcraft the menu. Who cares? I think if you're ordering a classic, I mean, if you were being annoying with a request, you know, like there's certain cocktails you can order, then, you know, like maybe a bit of a pain to make. But if you just really want a classic cocktail, why would, again, why would anyone care? Yeah. So far, I don't think a bartender would care about any of these. This Some one included would. asking for shots of quality spirits. Yeah. Who cares? If you're going to pay for them, the, the qualifier here would be if people are asking for nicer things, but expecting to pay, like, how much is a shot of rum? And I tell you, oh, it's $5. And then you say, oh, can I have Kraken? And then them expecting that I'm going to pour a shot for five dollars, like that to me would be the thing that would piss the bartender off. But if you're willing to pay eighteen dollars for a shot, why? And especially in the U.S., you'd just be expecting a better tip, right? So why yeah. would you? Why would you care? Requesting a shake and martini, same thing. Yeah, who cares? This one might slightly bother a bartender. Saying that you want your beer ice cold. It's like, what can you do as the bartender? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's not too much you can do there. This one actually legitimately might bother a bartender. Asking for a white Russian. The reasoning being that you have to like really clean everything after because like the milk and the cream make it tough to clean. Not a big deal? No. You worked I, at a I mean, bar where you didn't clean things anyway, so what's the difference? <laughs> it was no harder to clean a cocktail shaker in the bars I worked in after a white Russian than it was after a sex on the beach. Like the cleaning process is, a, you know, what are you going to clean it less? Cause it's maybe less visible. Like that's the, it, what about anything, having sex on a beach with a white Russian? <laughs> Vasilis's <laughs> dream. But yeah, no, I, that one wouldn't, again, assuming these things are on the menu, who cares? Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Cause I used to love ordering the white Russian from the bar you were at. So yeah, no, it really didn't. It was no harder. It's actually an easy drink to make, you know, compared to some, right? It's not the most complex cocktail. So how about this one? Because this is one, another one I know that you made often at that bar. Picking a Long Island iced tea on a busy night. No, it's, it's not, again, it's not a complicated drink to make. It's not that time consuming. Like it's okay. It's multiple alcohol components, but it's like pretty straightforward to make. Like there's a lot of cocktails that take more time to make than a Long Island. Like it's a pretty easy one. What? Requesting absolute in your Bloody Mary. <laughs> Stupid one. Yeah, I mean. Because was... first off, absolute's not even that great of a vodka. No. I mean, so... did, they make, did they make this in 2004? Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I don't know the last time I saw absolute. It's like still like... kind of popular in the States. But I mean, I would say like, Grey Goose would be the better compare, like, or Tito's or something. I think Absolute like, might be people's <laughs> well vodka at this point. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it was never. Yeah. How about this one? I did. This, did this bother you? Saying surprise me to your bartender. Hundred percent. That's the first one that's annoying. 
especially if it's busy. Look, if it's what not about busy, what about if it's a shot? That's different. I, still, I always feel like yeah. If you know the person, then that's fine. Like if okay. it's a bar you go to and you pull the like surprise me because they kind of know your taste a bit, but you say surprise me and I pour you a shot of tequila and you hate tequila. Like I love shots of rum, right? A, not the most popular shot in the world. So you go surprise me. I'm having a shot with you. I pour a shot of rum for both of us. And then you're like, well, I don't want to do rum. <laughs> but I think, well, I, maybe that depends on the person who's ordering too, because I've done that before where like, so there was a bar I used, I still go to that used to do a deal where it was a brown bag beer and uh, you used to reach in and grab a shot of like the little airplane things. And it was like a random beer and a random shot. They discontinued the shot part because of sanitary reasons. Although I don't know, it was just like kind of like a COVID scare thing. They didn't want people re- putting their hands in a thing with other, whatever. I think it was kind of stupid, overblown. But so what I would do then is say, I would like that deal, not the deal, but I would, I want to do the same thing. I know that I don't get the deal anymore. And then it would say, well, what's the shot you want? And I would say, whatever you want to make me, just no tequila. That's fine. Look, I think the biggest... And I don't complain. Like, they don't give me it and I go, oh, not this one. You know, like... (laughs) The biggest element here is how busy is the place. Yeah. Like, if it's not super busy and you can have that kind of conversation with someone of, I like this, I don't like that, whatever, or make me a recommendation, if you're not busy... In a sense that you're, that's your job as a bartender, right? To speak to someone, help them pick something. But when you're in like a rammed bar on a Friday, Saturday night, and you get you go to get ready for someone's order, and they go like, surprise me. <laughs> I love here's the voice su- we're doing. <laughs> here's your surprise. You're not getting served. You know, like that's. <laughs> do you ever do like to surprise me? And you just like look at them and they look behind them and go, next? <laughs> oh, I've done a million times. Would have just I would have flat out ignored that on a Friday, Saturday night. Oh, I wish you were still bartending. How about, although this one obviously pre uh, post dates you, you predate this one. There we go. Asking for a drink that you've seen on TikTok. I Would mean, yeah, that bother off, you? <laughs> yeah, going going off menu is always a little bit of a douchey move. Like again, if it's a classic cocktail, then you would just have the expectation, like even if it's not on the menu, that they should be able to make it. What would define but, like a non like what is one that maybe you've gotten ordered to, like asked for you to make that you were like what the fuck is that get out of here? <laughs> Can you remember? I any? used to get used to get martinis a lot, and we didn't have all the necessary. We like we didn't have vermouth. You know, you like you got things and you just couldn't. And someone would just want a martini. It's like I can't, I can't make it for you. There's just kind of nothing I can do. <laughs> Who's either. ordering a martini at that place? He'd be surprised. <laughs> oh man, that's bad. That's bad. What about did did you guys have a blender? I don't remember. For a while, yeah. But Was that a pain in the ass? Yeah, it's, it, the noise is the big killer. Yeah. And cleaning. You want to talk about the thing you don't want to clean? Cleaning a blender is a fucking. If you're using the blender to make one drink, so you don't have to clean it like every time you do it, okay. But if you're literally having to clean the blender after each usage, that's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, that does suck. What was, was there like an annoying shot you used to have to make? Um, B-52s are a little bit annoying because like you're layering them. What are them. B-52s? It's the, it's like a layered shot that you're lighting on fire. Oh. So you're doing like Kahlua Baileys and then 
uh, like Quantro or a flammable liquid on top. Um, those the layering isn't tough. Like it, if you once you you know with any decent skill you can layer it fast and, and make it pretty quickly. But obviously it's not as it's slower to make than like pouring someone a shot of tequila. So if someone orders ten B fifty twos when the bar is rammed, it's a little annoying. But it's, if they want it lit, and you're dealing with a packed bar with air conditioning on, so lighting something isn't always the easiest. That's when it could be annoying. All right, last one. This one, I, I, I want to read a little more to it. Ordering your drink by the finger. <laughs> I've ordered, I've done that many times. <laughs> I think Vasilis exclusively orders his drinks by the finger. But what's funny is this is this is the write up. There's an idea that asking for a measurement of bourbon and scotch by the finger is sophisticated, old-fashioned way, but that's not how bartenders see it. In fact, your bartender is way more likely to not serve you at all and check to see if your idea is fake. It's a long-standing joke in the community and seen as a way of asking for a drink if you're underage and not sure how to do so properly. I don't know one 18-year-old or 19-year-old in the world that would go to a bar and try and drink underage and say, hey, give me a Johnny Walker. Two fingers, please. <laughs> I know he's a 19, 1950s uh, baseball commentator. But uh, no one ever did that. I worked in bars for, what, seven, eight years. No one ever ordered anything and used the term fingers for me. Not in that way. <laughs> no. If someone did, I wouldn't, I guess the, the issue I would have, I, I never associated that with making you sound like in a way it kind of would sound sophisticated. I think it would definitely make you sound like more of a heavier drinker. I, I actually genuinely believe that if you're like two fingers of whiskey, please, I would take that as like, this guy drinks a lot of whiskey. Like that would be my takeaway. I would just not know. It's like, are, do you want to double? Is that what you're asking for? Like, how are we? Yeah. Like, <laughs> how am I converting your finger? Like, I don't know what the classic conversion rate of finger to centiliter is. So, you know, can, I might need clarification. Again, Vasilis does. <laughs> yeah. Aside from me literally just like holding my fingers and like, okay, I'm going to I think that's that what much. it is. I, I guess so. To, but would it depend yeah, on your glassware? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Did you put in like a shot glass for them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, it would confuse me, but I wouldn't, I don't think it would annoy me. It would slightly annoy you, I think. You'd be like, what? <laughs> I would just be like, do you mean a double? Like if they're like two fingers, I mean, do like, you want a double? Or do you want just the normal? Because like, we're not, no, you don't get to like order to measure. You know, I don't go to go in like, I'd like seven centiliters of whiskey, please. <laughs> like, this is not how it works. We're not charging you. Like we're not measuring, like weighing your drink after we give it to you. But yeah, aside from that, I will say on a TV front, I uh, hopped onto a bandwagon you'd already been on. Started watching. Do you want to Andor. guess? No. I really want you to watch Andor. It's really good. It's not going to happen. <laughs> um, that I watch. I watch a you, lot of you shit. Mentioned it on, you mentioned it on the podcast a few times over the last four or five months. Welcome to Rexham. No. Uh, is it only murders? No. Oh boy. 
I, again, I watched a lot of shit. Um, is it Yellow Jackets? No, okay. I'll put you out of your misery. It's Perry Mason. Oh, nice, nice. Do you like it so far? I feel like it's the show you might enjoy because it's actually kind of slow. <laughs> it is super slow. Um, I am four episodes in. Yeah, I like it. Like, it's very watchable to me. I'm not sort of, let's watch another one. I don't yeah. get that feeling, but it's like, oh no, I enjoyed that 45 minutes or whatever. Yeah. The one criticism I'd have to say is like episode one does just really throw you in. I'm not someone who wants every character introduced or whatever, but you do get put into, I don't know who any of these people are and there's multiple storylines happening simultaneously. Yeah. And I'm not sure, like, is that the same guy who was in that? I can't really, <laughs> like, I, I can't remember that character. So like, is that detective the same guy who was there? You know, like you're kind of putting all those. They all kind of look the same a little bit because they all kind of dress the same. Dress the same, throw a fedora on. Yeah. You know, those guys are ordering two fingers of whiskey. For sure. Uh, I could, unfortunately, I'll, I'll spoiler alert you. They've canceled the show after two seasons. It's not coming back. I easily could have made that a five season show because as you'll see, season one and two, it's basically like one big investigation you easily could have done smaller like investigations while also doing the bigger investigation and it would have made it a little faster pace and a little more exciting and i think you could have hooked more people like the fact that you're solving one case in 10 episodes is a little depressing like it is very slow and there are episodes where like the the incremental advancement of the case is like you could have told me that in two minutes <laughs> like, oh okay wow 45 minutes for that for that piece of evidence you know but i but i also do enjoy that like that doesn't bother me i'm okay with slow shows i do really enjoy slow shows but i can see a large amount of people out there being like this could have been two episodes total you know and you did almost eight hours of it like if you put other little cases within it because when i talked to my dad about this he was like i was like hey have you watched perry mason he's like the show from the 1960s <laughs> you know like because that's what it and that's what it used to be it used to be more of like a law and order kind of solve a case an episode you don't have to do that but mix in another case here and there would have been nice they do it a little yeah. bit in season two they do a little bit but not much yeah i mean i don't know if i've I haven't seen enough to form an opinion on that. I like the fact that it's not like that. I like the sort of true detective commit to a season. Yeah. This is all we're doing. I, I like do that. too, but I think we're the minority in that. Well, based on it being canceled, I guess so. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I'm, I, at the same time, admire people for taking a risk. And it may have been canceled for, I mean, it can have been cheap to make. You know, like when you're dealing yeah. with period period pieces, like that's not going to be. It gets way less expensive to just churn out another CSI, right? Like, yeah, it's a so. shame because I think Matt Reese is really good in it because he's almost he's almost unlikable, but you still like him. Yeah, he kind of. I mean, he's just. I will if you did say anything, you'd be like a lot of overlap with his character in the Americans. Like a little bit. I could see it. I could see it. He's kind of playing one-ish guy, right? I mean, obviously different personalities across the two roles, but there's 
if I came, if you told me I needed to cast a TV show with a guy in his forties to fifties to play someone from 1950 to 1980, I think he starts, he's immediately on the short list. He has to, and, and is like slightly average in the sense that, you know what I mean? He's not someone who is like the most handsome person in the planet or like, yeah, but you, you don't want that, right? Is it, Cause that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like you have to add that caveat in there. Like you're casting him in and he has to be like kind of like an average everyday man. He's not six, five jacked, you know, or he's not like Brad Pitt or Chris Hemsworth, like not like those types of specifics you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, that was always, and that's not, a, no, also... I'm not saying he's not attractive or anything, like, but <laughs> no, he's like an averagely good looking man. Yeah. You'd be like, oh yeah, he's handsome. Yeah. But you wouldn't be like, wow, look at that guy. But I agree with you. I mean, too many shows pick too many good looking people where it becomes, especially if you're trying to be like kind of realistic and the whole universe is just supermodels. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like in the end, actually, I think that, and, this, and they kind of address it in the Americans, but ultimately one of the big issues I almost had is like Carrie Russell's like too attractive to not remember who she was if you see what i mean for me like, but she does make herself look pretty ugly with those big glasses <laughs> never tell no and and a perm she's all that hadn't hadn't come out yet so they had no idea what happened when you took off glasses yeah it's a superman era i still fool them with that <laughs> they 1995 1996 that's when we solved the you can take off glasses and not look like a completely different person but I do think with Carrie Russell and the Americans, and I get it because she's like a honeypot, right? She's supposed to be seducing people and her being attractive makes that believable. Otherwise you'd be like, wait, why? At the same time, most of the time these guys are like scientists who, you know, yeah. never get like a girl coming up to them in a hotel bar, a woman coming up yeah, to them in a hotel bar. Let's leave the scientist bashing out of this. Okay. <laughs> Well, a little too close to home. <laughs> but, you know, a, a, a woman coming up to them in a hotel bar is probably going to be interesting almost no matter who they are. But there is that element of sometimes she's meeting the same person multiple times but with slight tweaks to her disguise. And I still think you'd be like, that girl's though, she's very attractive and she looks a lot like that very attractive girl I saw like two weeks ago. No. She had glasses, that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And her hair is like kind of different. <laughs> but yeah, all right. Anything else? No, I think that about wraps it up. All right, talk to you later. See ya. Cheerio.